Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We are now in our 51st and final episode of 2021. I'm not sure. I thought there was 52 weeks, but somehow we missed a week somewhere. But <laughs> our 51st episode. I hope that everyone had a wonderful holiday and is looking forward to the new year. You know, wow, 2021 has been a whirlwind. And we have got so much accomplished, and the fiber industry is extremely well positioned for 2022. You know, our big focus for 2022 is helping states with the broadband infrastructure funding, in particular, the NTIA $42.45 billion bead program, and ensuring that we have the boots on the ground to get all this fiber deployed. As many of you know, the Fiber Broadband Association has partnered with NTCA and our research partner, Cartesian to develop a broadband infrastructure playbook. The intent of this playbook is to identify best practices from the top state programs across the nation in an effort to help every state put in place the strongest possible programs as the NTIA bead funding becomes available for distribution. In addition to creating some best practice consistency across every state and territory, we wanna enable the states to realize the maximum benefit from this broadband funding. So stay tuned as we plan to set up a series of events to help break down the broadband infrastructure statute and provide some insight on the BEAT program. You know, addressing the boots on the ground issue, the Fiber Broadband Association has developed a comprehensive fiber optic technician training program that will be launching nationwide in 2022. So keep a lookout for that. Speaking of fiber deployment, this morning, our Fiber for Breakfast session is the numbers are in. Fiber broadband is strong and record deployment is ahead. You know, last week, we met with Dean Miskey from Finley Engineering to discuss who's pulling your supply chain. And Dean took an engineering approach looking at supply chain challenges. And his recommendation is to provide your suppliers with the best possible forecast and the forecast out as far as possible. And today's Fiber for Broadband session, the numbers are in. Fiber broadband is strong and record deployment is ahead. And with our longtime research partner, Mike Render of RVA. Michael Render is the founder and CEO of RVA Market Research and Consulting. Mike has a long history as a strategic partner of the Fiber Broadband Association and is best known for his outstanding annual fiber deployment studies and other important research studies on fiber broadband. Also, Mike is a longtime contributor on the Fiber Broadband Association's Technology Committee. So welcome, Mike. And for our audience, please type in your questions as you go, and uh, we'll respond to those in email. So over to you, Mike. Very good. Well, thanks, Gary. Um, yeah, I'm excited to show this year's uh, deployment uh, numbers. and. As you can see, we're really making progress. We're now at 60 million homes passed and marketed to consumers. That's about 12% growth in the last year. Um, and also, we have about 25 million homes connected a little over. 
um, about 24.3 of those with internet and a few others with uh, television and landline. So really strong growth um, continues uh, to grow. We, of that, about 56 million are unique homes. There, there are some homes that are passed twice or occasionally even three times with fiber, but um, 56 million unique homes, which is about the, um, 3,000 times higher than when I first started this with about 19,000 19, homes passed. So really making strong progress. This shows the annual growth. And as you can see, we hit a peak in 2008 with 4.2 million. Uh, that was led by Verizon's first build and, and everyone else alongside. Then we had some decline for a few years and then started ramping back up, hit a, hit a record of 7.2 million in 2019. A little pause last year from some of the bigger players uh, who are now back in it. And so we're now back nearly to the same annual record, 6.9 million. Uh, and of that, about 6.7 unique homes passed new homes. So really strong growth in 2021. This shows from our consumer study how fiber, the green line, continues to grow slowly but surely as, as it takes a while to deploy. But uh, we're now in second place, obviously. Uh, cable modem, still the blue line at the top is still still on the, the lead, but as you can see, a little bit of sign of starting to decline a bit, uh, the race is on. Um, you know, there's still some other players, uh, wireless and satellite, the red line. Most of that is, is actually new people that are getting in and are using wireless only at home, mobile wireless, but there's some uh, fixed wireless and satellite but uh, fiber is ahead of DSL now. So when we look at who's doing this, um, about 72% of the build are from the large tier one providers, the AT&Ts and Verizons, but also people that they uh, have sold the product to, Frontier, Ziffley, Apollo, Consolidated. It also includes the top five MSOs who have done more fiber to the home than most people realize, especially in green fields. But as in a few cases, some overbuilding as well. And of course, Google Fiber. After that, tier two players, uh, but these are kind of large, several state, one or two states, three or four. Um, you know, these are the TDSs and wind streams and so forth. Uh, they uh, have built about 10% of the build so far. And then finally, the tier threes, which is somewhat unique to the US, the number of small players that we have about 1,200, and these are you know, rural telcos, rural electric companies, uh, private competitive, uh, smaller cable companies, municipalities, and that's significant when you add it all together, about 17%, almost 18% of the bill. So all these players together are really adding to the total that we've seen. Here we're looking at the number of homes that we've passed as a percentage. What percentage of the all the households are, are there, have we passed? The red line you can see is the fiber on the left, and that is now at about 43%. So really strong growth over just a, a, a short number of years as compared to the blue line, which is coax. Uh, you know, if you started at the same starting point and, and copper in the gold line, Copper, of course, it took almost uh, 80 years to get to 90%. Uh, fiber is going to get there much faster, especially with the growth that we're projecting ahead. 
So it's exciting to see uh, from from no beginnings when people really thought this, this was a pipe dream, the, the progress that fiber has made. You know, um, fiber is a really clearly a unique and superior product. When we asked in our surveys of providers what they're offering, uh, about 90% of subscribers are offered a gigabit or more, sometimes two, two gigabit, sometimes 10 gigabit is the top tier, but um, uh, very high, no other kind of, uh, of uh, broadband provider can, can boast those numbers. And of course, most of that is most significantly symmetrical, which is very unique from any other kinds of broadband. We also do a, an annual fiber experience index where we look at um, from our speed tests on our consumer studies, what's their upload speed, download speed, reliability, latency, what's the uh, satisfaction rate. And we do a comparison and we normalize those scores so that we can compare them. Uh, where fiber, the top one is at the top 100% and the bottom one 0%. You can see fiber has the 100% score, you drop down to cable at 73, ESL and wireless at about 52. So uh, clearly superior to, to anyone else. And that's what everyone really has realized now. The providers have realized, some of them went bankrupt by not getting fiber out quick enough, the tel telecom providers. I think the market, as we've said before, has really spoken that fiber is a unique and superior product. You know, uh, Canada is important as well, uh, obviously, and uh, important part of the association. Canada actually exceeds U.S. in penetration. They're at about 60% of their households passed. Of course, a lot of their households are in concentrated areas, so the final 40% uh, will be a little more difficult because of uh, less density. But very impressive. Take rates are a little below what the U.S. has, about 32%. We have about 40 uh, 4% of the unique homes passed with uh, fiber are actually connected for some purpose. So very strong in the US, uh, not quite as strong yet in Canada, but when things grow so fast, it takes a while for take rates to catch up. So very impressive in Canada as well. You know, when we look at fiber overall, you know, we track most importantly fiber to the home, but we also look at fiber to 5G and fiber to business and fiber long haul, just as a way of looking at the overall trends. This is uh, root miles of fiber. You know, how many miles of trench or um, uh, telephone poles are you traversing? And of course, we're up to what, over 450, over 450 uh, million thousand miles. But that includes, uh, that doesn't include all the, the strand count. So many of these routes you're actually talking about as many as 140 or more uh, strands of fiber. So that actual number of fiber is much longer, but we're tracking what, what is the root model? What's the construction going on with fiber? And as you can see, very impressive. We hit a record actually in 2021 overall fiber because of fiber and 5G, uh, much higher than back when we started tracking this and or even the, the long haul peak in 2020. So things are really strong for fiber overall. You know, what's really interesting is with all the build that we've seen, about 53.8 homes passed in fiber so far from before 2021, we're really projecting that we could, could exceed that in just the next five years, including 2021. 
if you add the private demand that you know is very obvious people are talking the large providers are talking about it and all their investor outlooks and so forth and you add that the federal investment uh, from the newest infrastructure bill if all that goes to fiber that might be 16 million homes no one knows for sure exactly what that number is yet until the mapping is complete but could be as high as 61 million um, you know obviously extremely strong now obviously there's some caveats there there could be some material constraints that most people are aware of we don't know for sure how much of that federal investment will go to fiber but nonetheless even if it's a little less than that we're we're probably pushing all the fiber bill today so extremely strong uh, we'll be doing our own forecast soon which will kind of detail that out but um and we're trying to get a handle on what the timing is and what what impacts of constraints might be and so forth but all in all very very strong you know there are some challenges that still remain uh, materials a lot of providers are facing this right now we think some of those will be uh, taken care of we think there's enough fiber glass fiber itself in production when you if you turn to exports to the u.s and north american use uh, fiber cable fiber optic cable is more of a problem but that's a shorter term fix there are many people building additional capacity right now so we think all in all of course chips are another issue but all in all we think that will start to uh, to even out the next year or so but all that being said against a, a really high continuing demand policy is a continuing challenge how do we make it as easy as possible to get full attachments and all those things and and how do we make sure that the federal policies are really directed to the best possible broadband which is fiber uh, on the right side you know misinformation you know things like satellite and fixed wireless 5g wireless are great that they have a purpose satellites great for reaching that person on top of a mountaintop um, wireless is extremely important to our mobility but you know there's always a lot of misinformation misinformation out to the public you know when when 4g was introduced it was going to be one gigabit and of course it never met that because they were looking at aspirational goals which are higher than the laboratory numbers which are higher than the real world numbers you know 5g was going to be 20 gigabit and one one uh, millisecond latency and of course again that is a very aspirational thing the, the laboratory numbers and especially the real world numbers are much lower so all these things are great and it's great for fiber because fiber builds especially to wireless but uh the public and uh local um policy don't always understand that fiber is in the end going to be superior to other methods and how important it is for example with this federal money especially to spend it on fiber and not other methodologies middle mile is a challenge sometimes how do we get a strong enough middle mile out there at reasonable cost so that uh, these high speeds and and take rates and latency can be delivered to even rural customers so there's a couple opportunities i want to talk about for the providers you know, we when we look at net promoter scores, which we take in our survey, um, fiber providers are on the right side, you see far ahead of everyone else, 21% or 17% versus the bottom of the 
score minus 45%. That promoter score is basically taking those who say, I'm very likely to, to uh, recommend this to a friend, less those who rated a one to, to six, less likely to recommend to a friend, we call those detractors, to get that score. Now, if you look at the left side, internet ISPs are, are the lowest of almost every industry and in almost every comparison I've ever seen, internet ISPs are the lowest. So there's a lot of opportunity. Fiber is the best, but we can take that even further by uh, doing things like investing OPEX savings, which we're seeing with fiber in, in uh, call centers and in uh, instantaneous chat and things like that, having the best possible uh, announcement and delivery of service and, and that kind of thing, uh, service trucks. <clears throat> so there's really an opportunity to become world-class there. The other issue is, is, as you'll see in the next slide, um, for these providers to take it, to make the in-home connection better. Wi-Fi is very important. Here you can see people that have a Wi-Fi extender or mesh in our surveys, average the fiber providers uh, have a 41% score versus simple Wi-Fi, much lower. The same for uh, tested speeds, um, those who had a fairly high tier, much higher with Wi-Fi extender mesh than simple Wi-Fi. And unfortunately, we didn't ask about those who have a direct ethernet connection, but obviously you can see the, the performance of Wi-Fi makes a big difference. And I think uh, Gary has spoken to, to that before in his own home, his own experience. So obviously we need to hey, take that opportunity to get not only the, the performance to the home, but inside the home, make it world-class and we can really move forward with our with our performance and our net promoter scores. And I think that's it, uh, Gary. So uh, just leave it with you for any questions. Mike, um, I always love your um, your research this time of year when you get to do your service provider um, surveys and roll out the fiber. It's always really exciting. Um, Trish, can you roll back up to kind of the beginning of Mike's presentation? So when you Okay, let's start. Stop. Go one more. Uh, well, yeah, let's start with this one. Um, so last year in 2020, 20, what number was that? 2020, um, we had about 88% of the CapEx invested was from small providers. And you can see that from your chart, that's peaked way up now to 6.9 million as the larger providers jump back in, you know, after their, you know, the ATTs and Verizon had paused for a year. Um, so where where are we looking at? You know, is investment still largely coming from small providers, or what's the mix? Well, you know, it's much higher as you mentioned again from the larger providers, but the smaller providers really uh, have a big share. And and what people don't realize is, of course, they don't have the same buying power, but particularly they're going longer distances. So um, the cost per home is much higher for these smaller, more rural providers and, and mid-sized providers. So when you look at the CapEx, it is really important from the small providers. And that's something that some people miss sometimes because CapEx figures aren't really available from the smaller providers. You know, you hear about, oh, Verizon's gonna spend so much, uh, so many billion in fiber this year and AT&T. But if you really were able to, to look at the small providers, they really do add up. And we, we do this by taking their numbers times an estimated number for different classes and get that 
and and it it is very important to the industry. So are you seeing? Uh, what do we have about 1,200 providers now? The people deploying fiber. Yeah. Yes. Probably a little bit more than that when you put them all together. So this one I find is interesting, right? Because you know if you look at fiber, the green line coming up. So fibers, you know, now at 20%. If we look at the investment, that's going to basically double that. So we should be what? Um, so fiber is going to be displacing that brown line. So all the DSL is largely going to be displaced by fiber. The um, the the yellow line is pretty much done. So copper, no more dial up. So that's already displaced. And then it seems like um, when I looked at Pew Research, uh, people using wireless for their um, basically an LTE hotspot or something like that, that's gone, or their cell phone, that's gone from about 20% to down to 15%. So it's dropping. So would you say that fiber is largely going to be displacing cable then? So DSL and cable? I think I think the biggest opportunity is DSL and cable, but wireless is still a contender um, because you know some of these people are starting to put out wireless plays for the the home. Um, the the millimeter wave hasn't worked out so well because it's just very difficult to to deliver a gigabit uh, line of sight and it has to be very close to the home. But midband. Uh, 5G is an opportunity for them. It's never going to compete with fiber, but they are going to be make, doing a lot of marketing dollars and so forth. This, you know, 200 megabit kind of play possible. Um, so it's not over yet. Uh, I, I really think I don't expect a, a lot of growth in wireless, but and of course the satellite Leo satellites are are growing. That's that's another area that they want to get more share, but I think even they admit that they're they're not really looking at the the suburban or urban market. So, yeah, it's all opportunity. Um, um, I think DSL isn't going to put up any fight, um, even with their you know very close uh, last efforts to to get speeds up. So it's down to basically. Uh, cable, especially, and uh, and a little bit of fight from the the wireless and satellite side. So, if we were to extrapolate this out for ten years, I would anticipate that that green line, so the fiber will be dominant, and basically it'd be. And I don't know in the future when you say wireless, like five G is is fiber, right? When you basically say fiber, because right. I mean, if you're with right. five hundred meters. Uh, and that's basically displacing Wi-Fi versus, um, but so it seems like that this is going to, the fiber is going to be the only line in the chart here in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it'll be the only line in 10 years, but it, it continues to make progress. Obviously, no one's going to give up easily and they're doing price promotions, they're doing everything else. And of course, they're trying to you know, fiber is up to everyone else's game too, and going to DOCSIS 3.1 and the cable side and so forth. But over time, fiber always wins in terms of reliability, speed, latency, and it gets the word of mouth. It's not, it eventually beats any marketing effort. And we continue to see where in cases where fiber has been mature against uh, cable, the, the, Take rate is well above cable. It's something like 55% uh, fiber and and maybe 35% cable, if I'm remembering correctly. 
a little bit of everything else. Um, I don't think the cable companies fully realize what a what a, a disadvantage they have against fiber over time in terms of taking share. I think they know, and I think they're scrambling right now to get as much fiber deployed as possible. Um, yeah. Go to the next slide, Trish. Um, so this one I find interesting in two facts. One is, um, you know, when I think of tier ones, I think of basically the three legacy bell companies, um, as you mentioned, but you also include the five MSOs and Google Fiber. So of the 72%, how much of that is really MSO fiber? You know, the number is harder to get exact, but we have some estimates from different sources. Uh, I don't have that on the top of my head, but of course you have some that are announcing Altice that's building, an, you know, overbuilding. But people like um, Comcast and Charter have built quite a bit of fiber in green fields. And um, quietly, they, you know, no one... They're not announcing that somewhat like AT&T didn't announce their stealth fiber prior to the FCC deal. They were slowing up, slowly building on, got up to about 2 million homes uh, passed in Greenfields. And there's there's more than 2 million homes passed in MSOs already in Greenfields. Plus um, there are people like Altice, people like Cable One who's building and also, um, consolidating buying fiber companies like Hargrave and so forth. So there's a lot more there than meets the eye. Uh, as you say, I think in the end, they realize eventually it's gonna be fiber. There's this you know, debate about when they're gonna to go to that, but um, they're certainly doing it wherever it makes sense. If they're replacing uh, a, a plant that really needs to be replaced or in new development screen fields, so the other, Mike, on the tier twos, um, you know, so, you know, I've talked to Windstream, Frontier, Consolidated, uh, Lumen, and they all have huge fiber investments going on. Um, and, right. you know, if you look at kind of in the CAF programs, you know, they were the line share of, you know, the guys deploying DSL right. and fiber to the node to hit the 4.1 or 10.1 or 25.3. But now um, they are all about fiber. So do you see that that tier two number um, percentage really popping up here in the next year or two? I think it will. Yeah, I think I think to this date, it, they've been slower than the tier ones and the tier threes. But as you mentioned, they've fully realized how important it is now. And uh, many of them, as you say, have announced big builds. <clears throat> and of course, the government money that they can tap into as well. So, yeah, I do expect that to pop up. So the in-home connection. So, you know, this is one, Mike, you brought up in our premier member meeting. And, you know, as you mentioned, I've had a personal experience with this, like wondering why I'm only getting two and a half meg to my computer when I have, you know, 960 meg coming to the fiber inside of my house. And, you know, what I found is first thing I did is I replaced my gateway that moved me from two and a half gig, excuse me, two and a half meg to, 100 meg and then I put in uh, Wi-Fi 6 um, with the extender mesh network and it got me to over 300 uh, meg but how what what is what is your view on what we need to do to you know if you've been a fiber to the home subscriber for 10 years or five years you probably have some crappy old gateway 
And you know, what do service providers need to do to really make sure that people are getting the full benefit of that gigabit mm -hmm. service they're buying? Yeah, I think I think they really do need to pay more attention, and it, it's a it's some cost to them to go inside the home and optimize things or suggest optimization, but uh, they need to really do that. Of course, there's managed Wi-Fi possibilities that many are getting into, but that is obviously a big factor. Uh, optimizing the computer itself, I understand, is, a, is an opportunity, uh, but really for people to get the full benefit, as you say, to have the satisfaction uh, they really do need to get that in-home experience uh, figured out. And and this is even going to become even more important going on. <clears throat> you know, there, there may be more opportunity to take fiber within the home to the room, fiber to the room, because eventually we're going to have to go to millimeter wave Wi-Fi, which doesn't go through walls, essentially. So um, we need to be thinking about the future as well. How do we optimize current Wi-Fi to the best Wi-Fi 6 or better, whatever's next, um, extenders, mesh, all those things. But where do we go from here within the home? It's an opportunity for fiber, actually, as well. Well, Mike, uh, we're out of time, but you know, first of all, thank you for being a great partner for the Fiber Broadband Association. And you've been um, not only done great research, but have been a big contributor on our technology committee. So we really appreciate that partnership. And I really appreciate you. I love this you know, this time of year when you get to share the latest results from your fiber survey. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. You know, next week, our topic is charting Oregon's trail to digital equity with Daniel Holbrook, AICP and broadband manager of the Oregon Broadband Office and member of the Business Oregon team since 2006. He's gonna talk about how Business Oregon is preparing for the largest federal investment in broadband history. So we're not going to want to miss that. I hope everybody has a wonderful and happy new year. And thanks again, Mike. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.